Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work. But more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job, or maybe you've been unemployed for a while, or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. It's Sabina. I wanted to do a quick check-in before today's podcast. We are at the midpoint of December, not quite ready to do an end-of-year wrap-up, not quite ready to look into 2024, just kind of figuring out the last two weeks of the year. Uh, our unemployment rates are pretty much holding steady, not much of a discernible change. I know that doesn't mean a lot if you're impacted by unemployment, if you are worried about your job. I don't put too much stock into these things except to just report them. Take these statistics with a grain of salt. I always say this, you know, people get hired and fired in the best and worst of economies. You need to focus on you what you want, what you need. I hope the book, the podcast, my posts, other resources that you have help you to address that. I am really hopeful for the landscape moving forward. And I think a lot of it has to do with knowing what you want, making sure all of your job search tools are aligned, but also making sure that you have built resilience and confidence and you are ready to get back to work. I think a combination of all of those things is unbeatable. I can vouch for it. In November, I had eight people go back to working, one after an incredibly significant time period of being out of work. In December alone, I have had three people. We're only at the midpoint. Three people have gotten jobs. Like I said, every economy, ups and downs, it really is you being focused, making sure that you are searching smart, and above all, making sure that you prioritize yourself. And that brings me to today's podcast. Last podcast, you heard a great conversation between myself and a colleague and friend, Massimo Bacchus, where we talked about the art of self-compassion. Today is the second part of that conversation. And I have to say, kind of blew my mind a bit. I allowed uh, myself to be the subject of kind of a, a self-help practice where Massimo took me through 
the steps of aligning myself with self-compassion and how that practice can move you forward regardless of your mindset. In fact, it will actually change your mindset. And I love the way he phrased this. You can't break up with your mindset, but you can view it differently. And it was a great exercise. You'll hear me giggling a lot because it was uncomfortable. And that's what I do when I'm uncomfortable. But it was so rewarding. And I have now incorporated this into my day-to-day. I'll let you listen to learn from both of us how to guide yourself through the mindful practice of self-compassion and hope that it does what you need to get you forward into what you need to do for yourself, your family, your job search, your work. Comfort that we need, a lot of that we can give to ourselves. Not all of it, but we can certainly give ourselves some. And there are times when we really need all we can get. And if all we can get from ourselves, then that's what we need to do. When I left my last corporate gig, that was not by choice. And thankfully, I had a practice of self-compassion. So that when I went through what was a very stressful and a time full of regret and shame and all sorts of dark thoughts, I had a practice. I knew what I needed to do to make sure that I could land on firm, firm footing and take care of myself, how much time I needed for that. I opened the doors of my business in less than a month. I don't know if without that set of skills that I have now, I imagine it could have taken me months to build myself back together, put myself back together. But I didn't need that because I I trusted myself. I had what I needed to move forward. And I wasn't living from a place of fear. I was actually looking at, okay, what is this? What's the opportunity here? Going back to your question of scarcity and abundance. I think about that differently than others because I think oftentimes when we think about scarcity and abundance, it's outside of us. What's scarce in the world? There's no jobs in the market. There's not enough money. If I do that, I won't make enough money. And if there's abundance, I feel comfortable because people are hiring right now. There's an abundance of this. And my reframe on it is that abundance is about what do we have an abundance of as individuals? What is that thing that you have an abundance of? And go out and give that. And if you're in between roles right now, What is it that you have abundance of and where can you go give it? And if you do that, doors will open, opportunities will come, and people will be grateful. For me, I have an abundance of my ability to to coach and develop people. If I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd still be doing what I'm doing now. And that's not meant to be a trivial statement. I I truly mean that. In fact, close friends of mine get irritated because I can't turn it off sometimes. And we have a code word. Or when I'm doing it, they're like, I don't want to be coached right now. I can't stop doing this thing. This is what I have abundance of. And I feel really grateful that I get to give that in in my profession and I get to have a, a successful life doing it. I like the take on abundance and scarcity because you and I both know people who can't find jobs when everybody else has them or is getting them. and people who have a job and still get job offers and it's not just jobs it's business it's really anything i go back to what you said about it existing in the individual when i look back at my own experience and when i had decided this was what i was going to do 
I look back and one thing that boggles my mind is that there was not one person who I talked to about writing a book and, and setting up business and everything. Not one person said to me, why do you want to do that? You're going to fail. You shouldn't do that. Except one person. And guess who that one person was? You. It was me. <laughs> and some mornings it's still me. And until you said that, I just had a little lightning bolt moment of, yeah, what happens when you are your worst detractor? Even though I, I was just telling someone, I feel like a lot of good things are happening through very little effort on my own. I've done a lot of work, don't get me wrong, but I think there are times, there are moments where I'm still my worst detractor. I am still the doubter. So let's use me as an example or someone out there who's listening. I'm recognizing this and maybe this is holding me back a little bit on some levels. How do I start this practice of self-compassion? How do I get on this journey? How do I build that daily habit? Yeah, let's do a quick little... <clears throat> I'll be your guinea pig, sure. What is it that the one critic in your life, you, is saying right now? What are you saying most to yourself? It's getting in your way. What's in my way? Wow. Okay. This isn't uncomfortable at all. What are you saying? To and that's okay. I have to be okay with it. I'm thinking the number one rule of this is I have to be okay with it being a little uncomfortable, maybe a lot uncomfortable. For me, there's a couple of things I see. First of all, I'm never as productive as I want to be. I right. also am doing things that are not in my wheelhouse and that feels very overwhelming and frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. It is very uncomfortable. I will tell anyone listening. Motivation, I think, also comes into play. I do sometimes wonder who am I to be putting myself forward as an expert in this? So I heard three. Should I keep going? I can do this for a long time. And they're all they're all interconnected. They're all linked. Mm -hmm. so I hear that there's a question of your productivity. You're not getting as much done as you'd like. That you are doing new things that are challenging and maybe just out of your comfort zone, or maybe they're new skills that you're learning, which is challenging. And you're questioning sometimes, who am I to be putting myself out here as a as an expert of something? What value? Do I have? So those are let's just say those are the three things. Let's hit those. Yeah, it's enough for now. By labeling those, what you're practicing in, in the research around self-compassion that's been around for the last 20 years from Dr. Kristen Neff, there's three pillars or tenets to self-compassion. Mindful awareness, which is what you just did, to be mindful aware of what are the things that I'm saying to myself, how am I feeling right now, what is the impact of that? We've just articulated the mindful awareness piece. The second piece is around common humanity, which is for you to acknowledge that if I were to say the same thing to you, Sabine, I'm doing new things and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. There's so many competing priorities. I'm not feeling as productive as I want. And I'm putting myself out there in the world, which is scary because it subjects me to potential judgment. And sometimes I question, who am I to do that? What would you say to me? I'd remind you of your accomplishments. I would remind you that Pretty much everyone feels that way at some time or another, and that it's also fueled by this, your accomplishments, your education, your background, your experience, but also that you want to help other people 
through something that you yourself have been through. Yeah. And that in itself makes you an expert. And the fact that there's really this altruistic motivation behind what you want to do, this desire to help other people, maybe not struggle like you did, maybe to help them get through things faster and easier than you, and that you have this very good positive intent that also has this balance of accomplishment, ability, uh, achievement, education, experience, and that all of those things do make you, first of all, the expert. That's probably how I would respond. Okay. That was for you. <laughs> that's what, what self-compassion is. Mm -hmm. to recognize, yes, I am, I am struggling. I am stressed. I am anxious. I am afraid. And I'm not alone. Other people also experience that. The things that you described about yourself, Sabina, I experienced too. What you just said to me, I do appreciate hearing that. But that message in the context of self-compassion could be a message for yourself. And it can start with, I'm not alone. Other people that are taking on new endeavors and putting themselves out there and publishing books and starting podcasts and doing new things with, with your name and face on it, they also have self-doubt. They also get scared at times. And the goal is just to normalize it. It, it takes the sting out of it a little bit when you're like, yeah. yeah, how I'm feeling right now is like a pretty human thing to be feeling. And it can take the fear out of it and you go, okay, if this is a normal human feeling, I'm now in a position where I can respond. And that takes us to the third piece of the puzzle, which is around self-kindness. And I look at this in two different ways. There's the leeward path, which is the path that you go to get away from the storm. The side of the building we go for shelter is the leeward side. So what are the things you can do to protect yourself, to keep yourself safe, to give yourself comfort? It might be exercise, sleep, diet, going for a walk, maybe not taking on more projects until you can feel more productive in the ones that you're working on. And then there's the wayward side to this, which is the courageous, unexpected path, which is what are the things that you could do? And you talked about forgiveness, that may be something, but what are the things that you can do that are unexpected, that scare you a little bit, that require courage, but you know that they will be good for you. Continuing to do this amazing podcast, continuing to, to tell people about your book, continuing to do the good work that you're doing because you know that it's going to help others and that's going to give you a sense of gratification. Interesting. And I'm ingesting a lot of this. It sounds, and I know I'm guilty of this, getting caught in that first part of we go into beating ourselves up of just focusing on that again that negative of and we refer to it as i refer to it as scarcity early on but focusing on the these are all the things that upset me bother me these are all the things that are holding me back and i think so many people stay in that little pit and valley of that and don't do the middle, the second step, which in some ways it's hard to do for ourselves. It's so easy for me to put myself in the place of comforting you 
and giving you uh, the pep talk and everything. That's easy. It is so much harder to do that for ourselves. Yeah. And that's why I, before going into, well, here are all the great things that I've done. Give yourself a pep talk. I think it's helpful to just acknowledge that this is not a unique experience to me. Your experience is unique to you, but the feeling about doing what you're doing is not unique. That you're doing something new and it's scary. So you you to feel overwhelmed or fearful or anxious at times is totally normal. That is helpful. And to go back to what you said a moment ago about this first step of this and this about being aware of what's going on, we first need to notice it. And that's the mindful piece of it. I know that when I get um, caught up in my own negative self-talk, there are times when I'm not aware of it. And it's, oh, it's yeah. a very familiar old story. It's like an old friend, but you're like, I, I, why am I still friends with this person? Uh, we know each other since high school, but why are we still hanging out together? I, I always leave our time together feeling worse about myself. But remember, this is a part of us. It's in our psychology. We're not going to get rid of it. We can change the relationship. But the first thing is just to notice it. I'm being really hard on myself right now. Just notice it. And then name what it is. This is fear. This is anxiety. This is frustration. This is anger. And you have to name our, our emotions without judgment because when we name our emotions with judgment, it just creates other emotions. I'm angry that I've been frustrated. When we name our emotions without judgment, that emotion can pass within six seconds or less. This is what the research shows. So we name the emotion. Okay, what it is? What is the emotion that you experience in this situation? Of what I told you I was feeling? I go back and forth. It depends on the day, but let's just go with frustrated right now. Okay. Or, no, let's change that. Frustrated is too general. I'm disappointed in myself. You're disappointed in yourself. Okay. Let's that's yeah, Not, that's, that's a little good. more honest and raw. It's a, it's got clarity. Mm -hmm. and you can identify multiple emotions you're having. And even I'll do that as an exercise. And sometimes I'll try them on. Am I frustrated? No, it's actually disappointment. Okay, good. Because the more clarity we have about it, the higher fidelity it is. And all emotions are, they're just data. It's just neurological data that says there's something happening right now. The last step of this is we get to identify, okay, what do I need? in order to not feel disappointed in myself? What, or what is the unmet need that I have that is creating this feeling of disappointment? What do you think is an unmet need you have that is causing this feeling of disappointment? You see, this is the harder step. And I think this is why people struggle. So when I think of how can I answer this, the surface answer is I need to be more productive. Digging deeper, I might say, I need to accomplish one thing and maybe name that one specific thing. And you're waiting for me to name that one. I'll say, I'm working on a second book. I've been talking about that for a year. <laughs> Let's just make that the focus and say, I, I need to set the intention to write. I need to do the habit of writing. I need to write something. Okay. Should I keep going? Let's work with this. You are disappointed because you're not feeling productive specific to this new book that you're writing. If you were to just set a goal of, I just need to write the book, that's hard to take action on because where do you start? There's so many chapters. What do you want to focus on? What is one action you can take that is 
demonstrably evidence that you are making progress mm-hmm. and will address this unmet need that you have right now, which is to feel productive. And for me, I will say this, I think I'm more, especially with writing, more time-driven than word count-driven Okay. Um, because that's easier. I would say that I need to, I'm going to even make it a little more achievable for me. I need to carve out a half hour today to write. Perfect. And how do you imagine you'll feel after spending a half hour writing today? That's a very interesting question. Do I want to be glass half full or glass half empty? I'm going to try to be glass half full. I, so let's do that. I will feel accomplished that I met that goal. Okay. And what's the next goal that you would like to create at the end of that 30 minutes? (sighs) I'm hesitating because that's a little harder to answer because I haven't thought that much further into it. And I would say that, yeah, that's. At the end of the 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. I want you to practice being mindful and actually check in with yourself. Am I feeling accomplished? Is that voice of self-doubt coming in saying, well, you didn't write for an hour. (laughs) Okay. And when that does, make sure that you address that, but also set another goal for yourself. It might be doing another 30 minutes tomorrow, but let's just start with today. That's a very interesting crossroads because I will say this, my, my past writing experience has taught me that if I manage that half hour, there's usually a second half hour that follows immediately because you hit a certain and you're smiling and nodding at me, but you know it. So because, and I think this is true of a lot of things, because you suddenly hit that momentum or that zone of accomplishment and and doing what is the abundance that you have going into this writing session what do you have an abundance of oh this is this can be hard i think i have an abundance of knowledge and experience on the book topic And that's based on my own work. A lot of the people I work with are early in their careers. And I do think that this is something that should be shared that could help people. That is probably a large part of abundance that I bring is I I do know that this is an area where I'm very comfortable and knowledgeable and sadly experienced. What else? I think it's the desire to share it, make life easier for other people so that they don't flounder the way I did. Also to bring information, the book is for people starting their careers, but they're impacted by their leaders, their managers, their HR folks. I would like them to also understand Not everybody gets these concepts. They need to be explained to your new employees, people starting out. And 
that's how everybody benefits. There's nothing gained from holding this information back. So you're sitting there smiling and nodding at me since we're just doing audio today. Because uh, you have an abundance of <laughs> wisdom, knowledge, experience, stories, examples, practices, and an abundance of passion and purpose and clarity around the good that this can do for the intended audience and those that are going to be working with those new to the workforce. I will say this to you, hearing you reiterate that, it is very uncomfortable. What's uncomfortable about it? I think I go back to, it's so much easier for us to stay in that negative space and getting into that. And I do think I'm a pretty positive person, but for ourselves, getting into that place of acknowledgement is, it's a little embarrassing to hear you say it. Like I'm, oh, I'm blushing, I'm modest. But to say that for ourselves, we are trained to be very, don't, don't let your head get swollen, don't, don't get too big for the room, that sort of thing. And when we start to acknowledge those things, it seems like we're in this area we've been told our entire lives to avoid. You bring up an interesting point, Sabina. And I, I want to workshop this with you here for a moment because you're right. There is a perspective that to think that we have these things to offer means that we have a big head. And we go into, who do I think I am to think that I mm -hmm. have? And I don't know that I'll articulate this very well right now, but from my own experience, and when I say self-compassion is a practice, I do mean it's a practice, just like daily meditation or exercise or eating healthy sleep. To me, it is a core part of my daily routine and existence, a practice, and I don't always do it right. Most of the time, I don't. That's why it's a practice, and I'll never master it, and I'm okay with that. But what I've learned through this, and this is going to sound soft and but but I don't care what people think when they hear me say this because I know it to be true and it makes me happy but I've learned to love myself and what I mean by that is to actually love who I am not to say I love myself because I'm awesome I got a lot of faults there are a lot of things about myself that are not great but there are a lot of things about other people that we love that aren't great either but we still love them not in spite of, but inclusive of their, their blessings and their curses. I love myself in that totality. And because I love myself, when I think about what it is that I want to share with the world, I don't have to worry about, do I have a big head? Because I'm not approaching what I'm sharing with the world because I think I am any better than anyone else. I just view it as, I love myself and what would make, make me happy is to do things that are fulfilling for me and helping other people because that's what I love doing. I'm going to share these things because I think it would be helpful to other people. And I love myself enough that I enjoy the process of doing it, even if it only helps a handful of people. We don't know what the outcome is, right? But I've eliminated the part of the story is who do I think I am to do this? I don't think I'm anybody. I just have something that I want to share. And what is the, what, how, there's no harm in that. Now, if I was out grandstanding all the time saying I'm better than everybody else, 
I think it would be fair to say, who does this guy think he is? Why does he think he's better than everybody else? But you're not doing that. You're not saying I'm better than anyone else. You're saying, I've got something to say. I happen to have this unique set of skills and experiences and this passion, and I see an opportunity in the marketplace to bring information to an audience that would benefit them. Who are you to do that? You're Sabina. You're the person to do it. You're called to do it. Who are you not to do that? I like that this practice of self-compassion gives us the permission to acknowledge ourselves and our abilities and our wants and our desires and how we channel everything and combine it together. And it's that reminder to do this, to be mindful, to do that gut check, to make sure that the, the ego, and we all have them, isn't overshadowing it. And that it is for the right intentions, for the right purpose. It's not just about us. And it's okay once in a while for things to be about us. And it gives us that it's okay to acknowledge you have these gifts to bring in, or you have these opportunities to totally take advantage of. And then to think about that third piece of the work. And these are the things that you are going to do to achieve them. It's not, I think you, you definitely need all three of these things. I think that final third piece is the thing that holds you accountable, that lets you know it's more than just saying it, it's actually coming through and doing it. But now I'm giving myself permission to do it. And it all, I see it going one extreme to the other, building back and forth on each other. I get this why there's this need for this daily routine practice of self-compassion in the things that we do. Explain the back and forth a little bit more. Because like it's not just one and done. I don't just one day, okay, I can't write. And then I go through the steps. I might have to do the same thing tomorrow. Or I might have to do it for something completely different. Yes. It is that constant, even if I get through the writer's block or lack of productivity today who's to say that i won't have it tomorrow or i'll have it tomorrow for a whole different thing like editing this podcast episode or something like that so it is that going to the gym or meditation or something like that it is a very routine practice or it should be the noticing naming and the needs piece is something that will become more second nature to you and that is the rich data, because once we understand what are we feeling and what is this need or unmet need, it helps us connect to what do I need right now? Do I need to connect to the, the common humanity and recognition that I'm not alone in this? Like, and should I tap into my network? Should I reach out to Moss and, hey, I'm, I'm having an off day. I, I need a reminder of why I'm doing this. Uh, or do you need to tap into aspects of self-kindness? Take a break, go for a walk, listen to a podcast to get away from it for a little bit to come back. All of the, the, one of these is not better than the other, Sabina, and they don't even happen, have to happen in a particular order, but they all lead into this practice. And inside the practice, when I talk about loving myself, it, it is not, again, I think it's important to note, this is not, these are all the things that I want to do me, I'm just going to do it. It's including all the things. I, I'm, I'm daily practicing being aware of my shortcomings. What are the things that trigger me? What happens when I'm under stress? What are the things I'm avoiding? I spend as much time looking at 
the things I'm less proud about myself, probably more time than I do looking at the things that I am proud of myself. And that's what allows me to make sure that I'm not getting that big head thing, that I'm not falling into the fear of who am I or being the person that could perceive that way. And it also creates some protection from, I don't need that from other people. Because when you can give yourself compassion, you're no longer looking to the outside world for esteem. Much of what we do is around, what can I do to get self-esteem? More likes, more views, more this, more money, a bigger house. These are all external things. And they're great. I'm not judging them. A big house is nice and a great job is great. All of that is good. But it's one thing to have it and it's another thing to need it. And when you can get to a place yeah. where you don't because you're offering it to yourself, um, again, you can tap into your own abundance. And I think for your audience, if you know anyone is in between work, if they can think about what do I have an abundance of to give? Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to be applying to jobs all day. Maybe it means you go and volunteer somewhere. Whatever it is, if you go give from your abundance, good things will happen. Your self-esteem will go up. Your self-respect will go up. Your happiness and enjoyment will go up. You'll be more present and have a higher quality of life around the people that you love. You'll have stories to tell when you go back in that interview. You're going to be showing up as your best self because you're doing work that isn't even about yourself. It's just about giving that gift that we have. And we got to sometimes get outside of whatever the box we've been in because that gift might not be something that you've allowed yourself to give before. But every single person has it. I... I like that. I realize I need to do a little better at this myself. And I might call you when it gets to be a little sticky. I think there's a something we haven't touched on. And I want to close with this because you and I have both talked about this. You mentioned, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to throw you completely under the bus in that you and I had a prior conversation about writing books and you said that you had another idea that you will be so disappointed if you don't get to bring it to fruition. And I thought about that a lot because I feel that way. I felt that way about the first book. And I'm glad I wasn't the only one who felt that way. But I think there's a kind of virtue that comes from wanting to do it for the sake of wanting to do it that plays into the practice of self-compassion in that it's not like you want to be the first person to put your flag somewhere or get fame and money or anything. You might want those things, but this other thing of like the book, I think this is a good self-compassion thing to ask is like, why? And if you can put the answer of, because I'll be so disappointed if I don't do it is in itself a very good motivator. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. What do you think? I think I will be disappointed if I don't do it. I don't know if I'll be disappointed in myself, but I will be disappointed. Yeah. It's a curiosity that drives me with this new idea is it's just something that I know just enough about it to know that there's a whole lot that I don't know. Mm -hmm. I want to test my assumptions around it. And there have been... A handful of times in my life where I've had such clarity of something that I can't stop thinking about it. One of them is before I proposed to my now wife, I wasn't planning on getting engaged, 
but the thought of asking her to marry me just kept coming up day in and day out. And after a few months, I was like, this is what I want to do. But it was almost a subconscious thing. This is a, a project that I've been thinking about for the last 10 years. And it's been like that. And it's just continued to get more and more clarity. And there's more ideas that come off of it. And I'm not tied to an outcome. I don't know where it will go right now. It's just a curiosity of, of all these different ideas, what's possible. And also what, what have I not even thought about? What scares me about it though, Sabina, is it's not something that I can do on my own. And in most things in life, you can't do it on your own, but, but this is something that I can't outsource it either. I have to find just the right person to partner with. And speaking of a scarcity mindset, that puts me in a scarcity mindset because I think, well, what if I don't find that person or those people? Then I'll never be able to bring this idea to, to life because I can't, I just can't do it on my own. I don't have the, I don't have the knowledge, the skills, the expertise, the experience. And I was thinking about all of that in that prior conversation. And then during this talk, I was thinking, does that self-compassion practice embolden us to take more risks? Because we've gone through that practice and we've addressed those demons and those obstacles that are in ourself and our head and give us permission to pursue something. I listen to you and you say, I want to do this. I can't do it alone. I'm worried about finding the support that I need or the collaborators that I need but it hasn't deterred you. And I'm thinking that this practice of self-compassion is not only something that enables us to do the immediate of what we want to do, but set us on that habit of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes, said. You just gave me some insight that I haven't, that I haven't had before. I spent a lot of my life not wanting to attach myself to certain things or certain labels, like maybe acting like I was too cool for things. And I think since I've developed this practice and I, I have an appreciation and this like a kind of accepting love for myself, that as a part of that, I've been more open to what are the things that I love. Again, when I was a young man, it was like, I might like that, but none of the other kids like it. So I'm not going to be into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, what other people like. With this particular idea, I don't care if those around me don't think it's great. I know there are, I'm very confident there are people in this world that will rally around this and think it's great. But I'm not thinking about that at all. I'm thinking about, I want to do this because I love this idea and I want to see where it goes. And those that are like-minded will follow suit. When I was in grad school, I was pursuing a PhD program. And the reason why I, I took the off-ramp and I didn't complete the PhD is because I didn't have a question that was burning inside of me that I wanted to commit the next three to five years to answer. And that's what it would have taken dissertation and all the work. Now, this project isn't a research project in that regard, but I do now have a question that is like burning inside of me and I want to dedicate the next five years of my life to do it. We gotta go soon, please. And we we are over. <laughs> I think that's um, a good note to end on. Yes. Um, I know we have talked as usual much over time. 
I, I hope that we will talk further about this as the book comes out. Oh, uh, I feel like we're suddenly ending our good conversations. We will definitely have to pick it up. My my apologies for the no. abrupt ending. Thank you so much for this enriching and insightful conversation. I'm taking uh, so much away from it that, that was unexpected. And I think that's the beauty of being in conversation with people that you trust, exploring ideas. And I appreciate you trusting me and, and doing this little kind of coaching experiment for you. But I love what you're doing with this podcast and this next book and the work that you're doing in the world. When I've been unemployed in my life, it, it can be lonely. And to have a voice like yours and other voices that come on this podcast to talk about that experience hopefully helps other people feel a little less alone as well. Thank you. And thank you for bringing this practice of self-compassion to the podcast, to me. I am going to definitely put it into practice and I'll report back. Much more to talk about. You will come back. I know you will. And just thank you for sharing today. I appreciate it. You too. I'll talk to you soon. And there you have it for today. I hope you learned something or heard something today that is helping you as you are in your out-of-work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please show us support, subscribe, like, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sulat. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at ssulat at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.